Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. We're going to give you an accelerated early portion of the podcast because uh, we had a computer crash after yes. about 30 minutes of broadcasting. So um, we're going to go ahead and, and kind of speed through what we talked about previously. Um, a little less detail, obviously, in, than, than what we initially covered, but no, that will never see the light of day. She <laughs> so, gone. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about tonight on the pod, Tom? The pod will start with review of UFC 260 review of the WGC and followed up with our Valero predictions, talk about the little March Madness, and then we're going to get right into some rookie rankings, top 10 edge rushers, top 10 QBs, and then we got some baseball bets to close out the show. Giddy up. Opening day is hours away. All right. Uh, first on the docket, Tom. Fist fights. UFC 260 review. Yes. Main card did not disappoint. No, and we had talked about a couple main cards in a row for some of these bigger pay-per-views have been a little disappointing but this one starts off with jamie malarkey knocking out comma worthy in a fun fight yeah i had a little action on jamie malarkey in that fight so that was fun <laughs> sean o'malley wins a really fun bout against thomas almeida with a knockout in the third round with a little over a minute left and just super entertaining a lot of a lot of action in that fight yeah you know and then we the main event was insane oh, the main event was great um Logano getting the big W. I like I said before um, that you didn't get to hear that nobody else heard. Um, <laughs> it, this fight was closer than it looked. Um, both guys staggered one another, and I believe that whoever landed the next punch in that sequence that ended the fight was going to win. So um, you yeah, do. that's what we like to see is the Knicks cash in threes. Knicks up thirteen here. Gotta love it. Couple of Knicks fans in Western New York. Um, so it was a very nice card. Excited to watch what happens moving forward Yeah, uh, with the heavyweight division. Is Naganu going to run it back with Stipe? We've talked about this uh, in the past. Stipe oh. had a great run. Um, Amazing run, honestly. Yeah. Francis Naganu, uh, he's a destroyer. John Jones is so much smaller than both of those guys. But could his skill outlast either of them? What's the next fight that you want to see? I think that I believe that a trilogy should happen before I agree. John Jones gets an opportunity to step in for the title. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little uh, March Madness or WGC? WGC. WGC match play. Billy Horschel comes out on top. Uh, I don't know if I gave him out on the pod last week, but I did pick him to win the event at plus 8,000, so I had a little celebration uh, on my drive home in the car for six hours the other day. Uh, it was a tremendous, tremendous victory. It's a f it was a, the tournament's a lot of fun, and it was crazy the first few days. So uh, it really enjoyable format. I, yeah, I, you know, I used to not be such a big fan of that format, but I think that it's evolved, and I really like what it what it's got now. Yeah, um, I like the round robin format the first few days. Yep, and uh, made for a really fun event. Um, you know, final match one birdie made in the entire the <laughs> entire final match. Not the greatest to watch. And Billy Horschel comes out on top. Um, but it was it was still a, a fun watch watching those guys grind and try and get their way through that match. So up next is the Valero. Yeah, and 
Tom, give, tell me what you like here and what you've seen in the past. So one of the things we logged, um, this event's fun because it's right before the Masters, obviously next week, can't wait. Um, so with that, you have a bunch of different guys kind of preparing at home and some guys come out here to, to give it a go. Um, I'm going with guys who have proven success at this course before. I got Ryan Moore, who we now know is at plus 7,000 to win. Ramo. He's got four starts at this event and at the TPC San Antonio. Three top tens. His other finish is 18. So he's gone three, seven, eight, and 18 in his four starts there. So I'm going to put a little on top 10, put the put a little on him to pull through with the win. Uh, Matt Kuchar, plus 5,500. Obviously playing very well. Finished top four here. Yeah. Actually finished third in, in the WGC. Uh, eight for eight, making the cut at this event. Five top 25s and eight starts and two top 10s. And again, plus 5,500, a guy who's been there, done that. Tom and I both like yes. Charlie Hoffman this week, plus 2,800. He's won the event. He's finished second twice, yeah. all since the event has moved to TPC San Antonio um, in 2011. Um, his recent form is not bad, uh, so we are both big fans there. Yeah. Um, I like Doug Gim this week. He's 20th on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach. Uh, he's playing reasonably well. He's had some late tournament blow-ups that have cost him really high finishes so the quality of his play is not indicated by his recent finishes um, but if you watch him play you'll see that his success has been um, very obvious um, he's at uh, i think plus seven thousand um, plus seven thousand plus eight thousand somewhere in there to win the event charlie hoffman by the way plus 550 to finish top 10 or top five Top yeah. five. Plus 550 to finish top five for a guy who's done it three times already at this event. Yeah. And he's not playing poorly at all. So, um, And the last one that I wanted to mention, one of the biggest shots on the board, plus 11,500 for Martin Laird, who has won uh, at this event. He has won this season. He's had a couple of recent events where uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he was right near the top of the leaderboard after two rounds. Um, then he struggled on the weekend, but he's not far off. And he comes to an event that he's very comfortable with. I think that this is a guy that you could take a look at at plus eleven thousand five hundred. That's a crazy yeah. number. So um, just sprinkle five bucks on him, throw five bucks on him, and have a chance at winning five hundred seventy-five bucks on Sunday if he's there. I like it. It's worth throwing five bucks on guys. Yeah. Um, and betting five bucks on him sometimes works too. Absolutely. Final four preview. Final four. Uh, another great weekend of college hoops results in our final four being set, and that was dirty. Um, Baylor versus Houston, first matchup, one seed versus a two seed. You got Baylor's potent offense versus Houston's insane defense. What they did to Syracuse was just dirty. I love Houston's defense. I love yeah. seeing a team that plays that style. Kelvin Sampson's done a great job down there. Um, really enjoy watching that team play. I'm excited to see them. I I have a wager on them, plus 180 to win uh, this weekend against Baylor on Saturday. Um, Tom is going to be on the other side of that, <laughs> rooting for Baylor. He I may not hedge. bet against me, but yeah. I might hedge. Right. Bet Houston, bet a big chunk on Houston here. There you go, um, because he's riding that bracket life with Baylor. Yeah. So you know it's a it's going to be a, a really fun uh, weekend. Then you've got Gonzaga, UCLA, UCLA coming through the play-in game working their way to the Final Four with an upset of Michigan. Yeah. Uh, they played very well defensively against their the you know the big men that they have in Michigan. Yeah. They're, they're just such a scrappy little team. It's so funny to watch them play because when you look at them, there's, there's no real 
there's not a really a great player on the team. A lot of times these yeah, Ju Zhang would be their best player, yeah, yeah. you know, and a lot of times these these lower seeds that make it this far have somebody that they can rely on. They really don't. They they're right. even. Mm-hmm. Kind of play basketball. Great they play. They they work on deflections. You know, yeah. McCronin yeah. talked about trying to get twenty to thirty deflections every game, which is crazy. Stuff. Yeah, so they're gonna play scrappy defense. I have never seen so many charges in my life. It was unbelievable. I know. And Gonzaga is so explosive that they could run UCLA out potentially. But if UCLA plays their best game defensively, yeah, they just need really their offense has to step up. They've got to do more than they did against Michigan um, because otherwise you're going to get run. Uh, but this is the type of team, if they play their best game defensively, can hang within the 14-point spread. Yeah. Um, Gonzaga will, I believe, will win this game. But I don't know if they'll necessarily necessarily run them out. This is one where if it's close early, I would look to bet on UCLA, you know, for in a, in a live live wager. Yeah. Um, if Gonzaga jumps out to an early lead, I'd look to bet Gonzaga. I think you're going to get a good feel for what's happening in this game about eight minutes in. So when you get that first under 12 timeout, that's when I would look to live bet this game because I, I think that it's going to stay the way that it starts early on. UCLA could lose confidence early if Gonzaga jumps on them. Gonzaga does an amazing job moving without the basketball. Their cuts, yeah. their, they get so many, like when their points in the paint is insane because they get so many layups from their ball movement. Right. It's, it's impressive. So now we are going to talk, transition to some NFL draft talk. Some edge rushers. We're going to start with edge rushers. Let's talk about the class, Kev. It's a deep class. This is a group. I see, you know, twelve to fourteen guys that could be picked in the first three rounds easily. Yeah. You know, definitely, I would say ten guys should be picked in the first two rounds. Yep. Um, I like this group, and um, it's just not. There isn't that one superstar. There's not yeah. a Bosa in this class. There's not a Chase Young in this class. There's not, you know, a uh, yeah. Miles Garrett or Jadavian Clowney coming out. You know, th- those. Oh man. Those are the guys that uh, you can see early on. They're going to be explosive, talented players and tough to deal with. Um, you don't see one in this group right away. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, what I had said earlier was there's a lot of guys you're going to draft in the first few rounds. There's nobody you're going to draft in the top 15. And that's not a, you know, it's a knock on, on the draft class a little bit because they don't have that one guy. But to have as many solid options they have, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think you'll see some themes. That the, the, most of these guys have a positive and a negative. There's not a lot of clean prospects in this group, and that's kind of why they don't make it to that top 15. But it makes it exciting to watch what happens to them when they get coached up and make it to the NFL. Because uh, I know you had said in our previous thing that a couple of these guys are going to pop is the word you use. And it, it's absolutely true. A couple of these guys are going to blow up yeah. and be nasty. Yeah. So I'll start with my number 10, um, then we'll do two at a time from there on in. Um, Carlos Boogie Basham at number 10 for me. 6'3 and 3'8, 280 pounds, 81 inch wingspan. Um, this is a guy with a build of somebody who should be rock solid and sturdy at setting the edge. Um, he displays more explosiveness. He plays smaller or like more athletic than his frame tells you. Uh, but when guys get on him, he can get pushed around a little bit, and that's the thing. He needs to build some functional strength. Um, but I think that he could be a really good player at the next level. 
if he can develop some of that strength or if it's an effort issue when he gets engaged with with a player but he shouldn't be single blocked at 63280 the way that he he was in college at times I have Jalen Phillips is my number 10 um this guy has the size he has some of the uh measurables when you're looking like his his tape his tape is good the thing that keeps him this low for me is he had to retire at one point of his college career due to the amount of concussions he's had and the severity of them um concussions are something that we've seen just they don't they don't go away it's not something that he can rehab and get better so it's very scary uh somebody will take a chance on his talent um but uh, to me it's it's if you're picking in the top couple of rounds you want somebody you can feel comfortable is going to be there and at number nine i have carlos basham as well a lot of the same stuff uh the one thing i wrote here is lacks some power for size i think it's one of those things where he is a big impressive athlete uh but you know you, you never really see him put anyone down he doesn't really um get that done and i i put that I, he fell in love with trying to go around everyone yeah i feel like some of the times instead of cutting you know trying to make a move back inside he just tries keeps trying to circle kept trying to circle yeah. but that's something that they can easily coach out his size and his his quickness he's very agile for his size i put in here as well so there's an uh pass rusher i'll talk about later to in this group that did, did the opposite of that he he was really good at getting the edge and being explosive and then he would he would shock tackles by going right through them um and that's the kind of thing that that basham needs to develop yeah you gotta you gotta have a couple moves yeah especially at the nfl those tackles are too dang good number nine for me uh joseph asai from texas um six four 253 pounds um, he's explosive and fast off the edge. He's very athletic, and he can chase down the play very well, right? Um, so he might even be able to be used as a 3-4 linebacker um, because when he gets punched by a tackle, he gets staggered, and, and it takes he doesn't recover well. Um, so some of his counters aren't really the greatest. I feel like when he's engaged, um, he's going to have a hard time against these really good offensive tackles. Um, I think that he's going he's gonna to have – a place in the NFL. I just don't know that he's going to be like on the ground, have a hand on the ground. Yeah. If he can develop some, you know, three, four linebacker instincts, I think that he could have a place in the league. Yeah, I agree. I think he needs to drop 10 pounds and move to the outside linebacker spot. Yeah. To me, it just makes sense for him to, he's one of the few guys that I, I've seen that I just feel like should make a little shift uh, in what he's done. Uh, number eight for me, uh, Hamilcar Rashad. Uh, from Oregon State. So Hamilcar Rashad is a guy who put up tremendous numbers in 2019, and then in 2020 looked like he was going through the motions. So he's 6'3", 254, 82, almost 83-inch wingspan. Um, this is a guy, he, he shows a lot of the moves, a lot of the bend that you, they look for, a lot of the burst, um, a lot of the productivity. He was creating problems in that Pac-12 like crazy in 2019 and i thought that he was going to improve on that uh when he came out now he didn't look great in the senior bowl either but then he had a nice pro day so hamilcar rashad i think is a guy that he someone's got to find he's got to find his inspiration um, yeah. and show that motor because now motor questions have pushed him down the board even though i think his talent could could be you know a top five edge rusher in this class this is going to be a fun group because I don't have either of those guys in my top ten, so we got people all over the place. Yeah. This is going to be good. Uh, number eight, I got eight. 
Mm-hmm. I have somebody that you, I know I know from our earlier conversation you love. That's Ronnie Perkins, Oklahoma. This guy is very good. Um, speed off the edge is kind of his his thing. Um, good bend. Uh, this is another guy at Oklahoma. One thing I would say that I wrote down here, it stays blocked too often. There's an issue sometimes with him, and I think it's a size thing, right? A tackle gets a hold of you, you're only 240 pounds. It's tough to get away from him. Um, this is going to be somebody who needs a good scheme fit. Uh, if he's that attack linebacker in like a Baltimore 3-4 defense or a Pittsburgh 3-4 defense where he's constantly rushing the passer and then only occasionally having to be, I think that's where he's going to be most effective just based on his size. But some of the man's workout stuff is pretty insane. Um, yeah. Pretty good athlete. No doubt. And I'm going to slaughter this name, but Deo Adabingo, Adabingo, Adavandi. Yeah. Close enough, right? Um, 6'6", 276, senior out of Vanderbilt. I love a lot about this guy. This is another guy who's similar to um, Hamakar Rashad, like you said. Big games, he's stepping up. He's making big plays. Some of the lesser games where you might expect him to have a big game, he kind of disappeared. Um but veteran player, a lot of experience. He played in the inside of the defensive line and the outside. He's a, a very good athlete for his size at the 6'6", 276. So a lot of uh, teams are going to like that versatility where he has experience inside. He has experience outside. He's shown that he can do a little of both. Yeah. So uh, number seven for me? Yeah. Yeah. Number seven, Jason Owe, um, Penn State. He is... This is what you would want as far as a tremendous athlete to come in as a situational pass rusher. Right now, he needs to build that frame out a little bit more. He's 6'5", 252, and when engaged, he has a hard time becoming disengaged. I like Jason Owe's athleticism and everything that he brings to the table with that, but you've got to have more productivity in college. He had zero sacks last season. You know, you get more productivity – um, but take advantage of that. Expo- you've got to be a closer at some point, right? As, as an edge rusher, you got to be somebody who knows how to get the quarterback on the ground and understand situation. Maybe he's taking his rushes a little too far upfield and, and not turning that corner as well as he should to get to the point where the, the passer is set up. Some of that, I think, is where the knock on his in, his football instincts comes from, uh, because he he may not have a great feel for how deep the passer is going to set. You know, if, if, if he's coming too deep around the edge trying to take advantage of that athleticism and he's not able to round it and get back to where the passer is, it doesn't do you any good. If you run upfield and the quarterback can just step up around you, it's not helpful. So I think that if his instincts improve and he can figure that stuff out, he's a raw prospect athletically that can be taken advantage of at the next level. Um, you know, what I've read, like Tony Pauline's report, you know, I think he's really good. I've really enjoyed his work. Um, he talks about his explosiveness and he's better in a three point stance than he is standing up. Yeah. Which is a problem for a guy who's not able to really set the edge very well because he doesn't have enough strength in his frame yet. So he's either got to learn how to stand up or he's got to get his hand in the ground and and build some functional strength. Um, if he wants to be in that three point stance and, uh, next for me on my list is Patrick Jones, um, edge out of pit. Um, he's an athletic guy. And where I fell for Patrick Jones was in his performance at the Senior Bowl. Um, I thought he's 6'4", 264. He doesn't have that big wingspan. Um, He doesn't have the big arm length. 
um, but he's athletic. And if you watch his productivity on the field, I watched a lot of pit games, and he's always in the backfield. He's always creating problems. That's why I like Patrick Jones. There are a lot of people that you look at them and you say, okay, he doesn't necessarily have the measurables. He doesn't necessarily fit this. He is always in the backfield causing problems, and that's why I like Patrick Jones this high on my list at number six. I have it. I think this is my six. At six, I have Aziz Olari out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy who is super fast off the ball, uh, 6'3", 240. Another guy who may be better suited in like a 3-4, being that outside linebacker, um, unless he puts on some weight. Uh, but he's super athletic. Uh, bend, getting around the corner, making plays is there. The one thing I would say is lack of experience at Georgia. He did not play a lot, uh, not a lot of time. He's only a redshirt sophomore, uh, missed some time in his freshman year as well. So um, not a ton of experience, but kind of that raw, a little clay that liked the roof. And Patrick Jones is who I have at five. And I was smiling as Kevin's doing it because it's the exact same thing I, I, I want to say about him. He's, You look at his size. You look at everything. It's fine, but nothing pops. Nothing about his athleticism. He's not going to test his, you know, his speed drills, they're not going to blow you away. But he, he just makes plays. He's one of those guys that just finds a way, his will, his his commitment to get back there. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he does in the NFL. But I think if you're talking about, you know, once the guys, the, the guys I have ahead of him are freak athletes compared to everyone else, right? Um, once you get past those guys, this is the best producer out of this out yeah. of the group behind him. So um, somebody who's able to produce uh, – you know, had a little bit of a downturn in this last year compared to the year before, but also faced chips and double teams and people playing away from him a lot. Um, I think we'll see him be a very good run stuffer in the next level and uh, cause some havoc. I think uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to Rashad Weaver, his his teammate. That's uh, he didn't quite make my list. He's my number twelve. Yeah, so Rashad Weaver uh, might be the best in the class at setting the edge against the run. He was so good at that. What did Tom Abbey write? Great against the run. Yeah. Super strong. Yeah. <laughs> Lacks elite burst. Exactly. So he's not going to create a ton. He's going to have a spot in the league. Yes. He's going to get an opportunity there. He may be like a Shaq Lawson. That's yep. That would be my comp for him because Shaq Lawson was great at setting the edge against the run. That's what he does very well. And this is what exactly what you're going to see out of Rashad Weaver at the next level. He's yeah, just not going to be drafted that high. He's going to be a third round, second, yep. third round pick. Um you know, and, and he would be a nice addition for someone as a depth player or someone. You know, he, he does. You don't have to have great pass rushers on both sides. Um, if you have somebody that can set the edge against the run, that carries just as much value yeah. uh, as a great pass rusher. So, well, maybe not in the modern NFL, but you know what I'm saying. Thank you. Thank All you. right, my number five, uh, Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. This is the guy whose film I just fell in love with watching. He absolutely watch his Oklahoma State game. Just watch him against Oklahoma State. Watch him work outside in. Watch him go through guys, around guys, explosive, finishes the play. He chases and tackles. You know, there are people talking about character issues. He failed a goddamn marijuana test. That That's not a character issue. You know, it's not a real character issue. You know what I mean? This is not going to be a problem in the NFL for him. He's extremely explosive. If you watch his film, he goes through Tevin Jenkins who is the biggest, nastiest tackle in this draft when it comes to just you know trying to bully people. That's what he does. We talked about it when we talked O-line. And I watched Ronnie Perkins just stiff. He stuck his arm right in his chest and went right over top of him. 
it was so impressive for a guy that's 235 or whatever pounds that he is. So I love Ronnie Perkins in this draft. This is a guy that's being completely undervalued. This is a guy that's going to produce at the next level, and, and it's one of those people that you want to stake your name to when you're looking at the draft prospects and see somebody that you feel is underrated. You want to say, I want, I want my team to take this guy. Take him in round three. Take him in late round two. This is a guy that I want on my team. Number four for me. Sorry, that I got a little <laughs> passionate there. Yeah, I got carried away. Yeah. Um, uh, t-shirts for Kevin's Ronnie Perkins fan club will come out next week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, next for me is Gregory Russo. Um, I've got him at number four here on the list. Russo didn't play in 2020. He opted out. In 2019, he had 16 sacks. Six seven two sixty five, explosive. He gets up the field with speed. He's got that bend. Um, he's, you know, he can do anything that you want at the defensive end position. Uh, the problem is he can get controlled in one on ones at times. He doesn't stop the run very well. He's going to be a pass rusher and a pass rusher, pass rushing specialist at the next level. But he may be great at it. Yeah. He only has one year of college football tape. Um, it was a tremendous one year. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's what he's going to do. He's going to rush the passer. He's going to be really good. He, he chases, pursues. It, this is a guy that they're going to run at him when he's on the field. So, you know, he may only get third down work early in his career until he creates some more functional strength and can really establish himself at the point of attack. Uh, but I, I really like Gregory Russo. Number four, I have Peyton Turner, redshirt sophomore out of Penn State. Uh, you know, 6'5", 250. This guy is an athletic freak. Um, everything about him is just nuts. Uh, the one thing I would say is that because he's a redshirt sophomore, he's still got some learning to do. Uh, you could see where his, his pass rush moves are kind of limited at this point. You see him doing the same thing over and over again, and he may get the, the uh, O-tackle the first or second time, but after that it kind of slows, and he doesn't really have that second or third gadget to go to yet. But we're talking about the upside of this young man, his freakish athleticism. Uh, number three, I have Jason Owa out of Houston. Similar conversation. Uh, just an amazing athlete. His length. No, he's, he's, he's out of uh, Penn State. He's the Penn State oh, I athlete. Got the, you I got them the, mixed you up. Transposed those guys. Peyton Turner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, out of Penn State. Not bad. Um, th this guy is also great athlete. Is my phone now is blowing up right next to me. Um, he, the one thing I would say about him is he does stay on blocks too long. Uh, sometimes he gets blocked and he stays blocked. He, he you don't see him a lot of getting free and, and chasing plays down there. Yeah. Fix that before I lose my mind. <laughs> Number three for me, um, Aziz Ojolari. Um, Ojolari, 6'3, 240. Tom had him a little further down the list. You know what I like about Aziz the most, Tom? What's that? His work with his hands is really good, man. He's got this chop move that is so good. Guys reach out to engage him, and he just knocks their hands out of the way every time. He doesn't allow himself to be engaged like that. Yeah. So, you know, because he doesn't have size and bulk. You know, guys, if they get a hold of him, they're going to keep a hold of him. Sure. But he's got some, he does have some really nice instincts for pass rush moves. He does the inside out, outside in. He's good at stunting and then and then managing to keep the hands off him when he does stunt. So um, I like Aziz Ojolari in this in this draft process. But again, he's 
what I'm seeing in this class as much as anything is that we really have a lack of guys who are full multi-tool guys. You, you yeah. are either a pass rush specialist, really, or you um, are really good against the run. So it's hard to find guys that can do both in this group. Yeah, it, the one thing I would say with that, too, is it, I feel like a lot of these guys were either not freaks athletically but played long enough that they developed skills, and you see those in the seniors, or they're freaks athletically but they're still raw and they're coming out because they know they're going to get picked high. So yeah, it's a lot of that at this position specifically. Now um, this is where I have Jalen Phillips at number two. Oh, yeah, way high. Yeah, I've got him at number two. He he has the frame that you're looking for, 6'5", 266, explosive as all get out off the edge. Um, you know, he, he, he can bend around the corner. He creates all kinds of havoc in the backfield. Um, he goes down the line of scrimmage when needed. You know, he does everything that you would want to see a pass rusher do. Um, he's another guy who, when he gets engaged – um, at the point of attack, he doesn't do that well. So this is another pass rush guy, and he's got a concussion history, but I think he has as much upside as almost anyone in the draft for uh, becoming a great pass rush specialist and, and you know, having double-digit sack seasons. Uh, number two is where I have Gregory Russo. Um, his one season at Miami was awesome, 15-and-a-half uh, sacks, as Kevin had said. And this is a guy who's still learning the position. He was recruited as a wide receiver uh, during his redshirt year, flipped to decent defensive end, um, became a D-end, started for Miami for one year, 15 and a half sacks, and then sat out 2020 due to the, the pandemic. And um, I think one thing that will be interesting to see is I haven't seen the numbers on some of his pro day stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to see his, his weight if he's added on to it because at his frame, he definitely has the ability to add on. But the ability to chase the passer is, is something he's very good at, and uh, they're going to pay him a lot of money for it. And I have number at number one, I have Quitty Pay out of Michigan. Yeah, that's unanimous. He's just nasty. I mean, super athlete. Um, st- you know, the <laughs> funny thing about him is, He's like his athletic. I mean, you, we were just talking about his cone drill. What, what was that? Six guess? five, six point five in the in the three cone, which is, um, you know, the the leading pass rushers in the NFL. They all have six cones, like around you know between six seven and six nine. Yeah, Quiddy Pay is six five, and that's insanity. That is insanity. For his size, isn't yeah, it's just he's two hundred seventy pounds. And this is a guy who played in the Big Ten at Michigan. He's he's been through some wars against the run. Uh, you know he's going to hold up. Um, when you watch him play, he's always making plays. There's You can't watch a game without him doing something. I uh, think the reason His consistency was great. Yeah, and the reason that I have him here at one is because I thought he did hold up against the run. There are some, yeah. there are some people saying, uh, some scouts out there saying that, you know, concerns about the point of attack and whether he'll be able to hold up there. I think he does it as well as anyone in this class as far as the pass rushers go. Uh, his pass rush grade, which take, you know, PFF, you take yeah. it or leave it, 87.1 in college yeah. his last year. That's eh, pretty good. Yeah. It's tough to poke holes at that. Right. Or, oh, his, and his run stop grade, sorry, that's what you're talking about, 76.7. Yeah. That's in the top third of, of the world. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think he's I think he does it as well as any of these top-end pass rush specialists yeah. do. Um, so I think he's, he's the most complete of this group. 
uh, for me with his size and ability and his explosiveness off the edge. So there you have the edge rushers in the 2021 NFL draft class. Tom and I are going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about quarterbacks. Yeah, if you're interested. Guys who can spin it. We'll <laughs> be right back after this. Welcome back. And uh, it's time to talk quarterbacks, Tom. Are you ready for this? No. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll get ready. Yeah. I was born ready for this. QBs, man. Same thing. I'll start with number 10. And okay. then uh, we'll work our way down two at a time. Number 10 for me is Felipe Franks from Arkansas, who started his career at Florida. And then Kyle Trask took the job from him there. Um, Franks is 6'6 with a cannon and has yeah. a lot of ability. So I really like what Felipe Franks brings to the table tools-wise. Um, some of the knocks on him are that he's slow to process. He doesn't jump off the yeah. primary receiver quick enough. Uh, that's something that guys can learn. If they're sitting behind someone, they can they can pick up that processing speed uh, when they start to understand the concepts at the NFL level. So I like Felipe Franks, and I think that uh, you know, 10th is where he belongs. I have Felipe Franks at 10 as well, um, so that was lame. Yeah. Um, but – for the same stuff, he's a, he's a big guy. He has a huge arm. Um, a lot of that stuff is just obvious to see. The one thing that I would say that's going to be his biggest uh, problem in, in the NFL, because, again, like you said, you can learn how to read the field better. You can get better at reading the defense pre-snap, which shortens that process. Post-snap, um, with, with good coaching, that, that can come easily. His, his footwork and his ability to or lack of ability to get away and make plays happen i think you'll see that as a theme for me as we go through this list i like guys who can do that in the nfl i think as you're looking at the modern nfl the top group of quarterbacks for the most part tom brady excluded because you know there's someone random all the time right but most of them are able to make plays on the move make things happen outside when the play breaks down absolutely so i have felipe at 10 and Shane Bouchelle, I have at nine. I like this guy. Um, he finished his career at SMU after starting at Texas. Yes. Um, at SMU, he was a lot of fun. They ran a fun offense, threw the ball, a ton of big plays. This is somebody who will force the ball down the field. Um, one of the big knocks on him um, go is going to be the, the lack of pro-style experience, though. I do. I, I love his deep ball, though. Yeah, it's he, nice. He throws a really nice deep ball. Um, and in some of his pocket stuff as well, it's it's one of those things where um, he kind of senses pressure when there's it maybe it's not there and he could stand stand in there, but he like you know kind of drifts you know that yeah. drifting out of the pocket stuff when he probably doesn't need to. Um, but I really like his his arm and accuracy. He's pretty good. There are guys in the NFL that are playing in games that he's better than already. Yeah, I think that this is a pretty deep quarterback group. There's a, a steep drop off between. Um, the top six and then the next seven, eight, nine, ten for me. Yeah. But then it, but even that seven, eight, nine, ten, there are quality quarter backup quarterbacks in the NFL here that yes. maybe some of them could could develop. Um, number nine for me is Sam Ellinger from Texas. Um, Sam Ellinger, the knocks on him, you know, not great arm strength, uh, not great um, on the run, but he is super highly productive. He is what I would call a prototypical backup quarterback that could come into the NFL. Very smart, high character, uh, really great guy. Um, so this is a guy who, who does a great job with like screen passes and uh, taking the check down to the open receiver. Um, he doesn't make a lot of stupid mistakes. 
I, I really like what Sam Ellinger can bring. He's a prototypical backup for me in the NFL and has a place. So um, I really I really think that he, he is going to fit on an NFL roster uh, long term. Number eight for me is a guy who I think could explode into a starter at, at the NFL level at some point. Uh, Jamie Newman, uh, quarterback. I'm going to call him from Wake Forest because he <laughs> transferred to Georgia and never played. He opted out. Um, then he did his pro day at Wake Forest. He's a guy that's six, almost 6'3", 235. He's got a big, strong frame. He's athletic. He can run with the ball a little bit. He's got you know really nice patience in the pocket. He feels comfortable even with the pocket collapsing around him. That doesn't seem to bother him at all. Um, he had a lot of pressure in college and uh, managed it really well. I loved betting on Wake Forest when Jamie Newman was playing quarterback yeah. for them. A lot of overs hit with, with him as a QB. Yeah, and you know some of his um, drawbacks, I guess, are his decision-making and holding the ball too long, things like that. Um, I, I like what he brings to the table, though, and I think that he's a guy that could sit behind a good quarterback right now and be prepared, be poised, and learn some more to potentially move into a starting role eventually. Um, but, I mean, for me, like – if I'm the Patriots and, and I don't draft a quarterback early, I think a guy like Jamie Newman makes a lot of sense for them. Jarrett Stidham's not getting it done there, you know? Um, Cam like Jamie Newman yeah, makes Cam sense. Cam Newman's not a long-term answer, yeah. Um, I don't like Ellinger. I know you don't. Put that out there. Uh, number eight for me is Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. There's a lot of things to like about him, and I think he's in a similar vein as your, your Jamie Newman conversation where – uh, you're betting on the physical traits. He's a plus athlete. He's got a lot of experience at Texas A&M. He threw the ball around a lot. Um, so a lot of that is plus, pluses for him. Uh, I would say one of the big knocks on him that keeps him out of the, the upper echelon of this group is his accuracy comes and goes. He's streaky. You see him in a game or even drive to drive, sometimes it can be a bit of a mess. But when you're talking about his, his size, his athleticism, his arm strength, all of that is, is good. Um, and the experience of playing at Texas A&M, he's got a lot of experience playing against very good defenses, very good pro-style yeah. defenses. So, And then seven is actually where I have Jamie Newman for all the things you just said. Um, this is a guy who, if he plays at Georgia this year, we're talking about him at, as probably the number two instead of Zach Wilson. But the unknowns of why did he sit out, what's going on, is everything okay, is it really COVID? I know there was a lot of alluding yeah. to it being other things from him. So he drops, and then that's you know something he's going to have to figure out. But it does cause, you know, sometimes this works out for people where, you know, maybe he lands in a better situation where he's not thrust to the role right away and can, you know, smooth out some of his rough edges. So seven is where I had Kellen Mond, so we just had those two flip-flopped. Yeah, um, I, I like that experience yeah. uh, in the SEC, um, you know, four-year starter. Uh, he's seen it all at that level from the best yeah. defenses in college football. Um, that's, a, that's a huge plus going to the next level. Right. Um, they talk about, like, his decision-making and stuff at times. Well, you know, against SEC defenses, sometimes you have to force it. And, but he's just got to get a little bit better at his processing speed, um, and he's a guy that I think could – he's going to stick in the NFL for a while. Uh, number six for me, uh, this is where I have Kyle Trask. I like Kyle Trask and some of the things that he brings to the table, like his poise in the pocket um, and keeping his eyes downfield and looking for the plays. He doesn't have a super athletic build. Um, he doesn't take off running. Um, he's 6'5", 240. Um, he's a little slow afoot, uh, but he, he's a pretty accurate passer. 
and um, you know he's smart and he did a really good job taking advantage of you know Kyle Pitts um, throwing the ball yeah. to a guy with a wingspan like that um, and you know Kadarius Tony he had some good athletes to work with there at Florida um, I think that he's a traditional pocket passer type right and if he can get great at the play action game he could be a fit in a, a team like you know a San Francisco style offense you know I know that Shanahan's got eyes on bigger prizes with his big move that he made there John Lynch and, and Shanahan so yeah um you know we'll probably get there at some point number six I have Mac Jones out of Alabama um Mac Jones is going to be very interesting to see where he goes um I s- was reading something that he may go as high as three which makes me nauseous to think of somebody doing that but hey as long as it's not my team we're good right um He's a plus leader. I think that's one thing that that came across really well um, in his last season um, at Alabama. A couple things that scare me. He only had one year at Alabama where he was the guy. Right. Um, So that's a little nerve-wracking. And this stat. In 2020, he had 600 more yards than any other quarterback in college to wide receivers who were considered wide open or uncovered. Yeah, his guys, the wideouts that we'll talk about in a couple podcasts, were open all the time. Right, the offense made it easy. Um, you know, he still got the ball there. He made decisions. That's all great, but super easy for him in that. It's regard. incredible to watch how often Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and even John Mechie were, just lose were running wide yeah. open between the scheme and those those guys' athletic ability. They're just constantly open. Insane. I'm pretty sure I could have thrown for 2,500 yards. Yeah. Kyle Trask is my number five uh, for a lot of the same reasons you just said. He looked great at Florida. He looked comfortable. You know, some of those throws to Kyle Pitts, those are NFL-type throws. Those are, my guy's bigger than your guy. I'm going to put it up. My guy's going to go get it. You know, you're going to be covered in the NFL. So I like a lot of that from him. Um, uh, We talked, uh, you talked a little bit about he's not a threat to run with the ball, which is 100% true. But one thing he seems to be good at is Moving in the pocket. He's got a little bit of that big bend to him. That's what I was saying, that pocket awareness that you're not afraid when the pocket closes around him. He slides a little bit. And uh, one other thing, as a a larger man, he's very good at some of that touch on the ball and when to use the touch. I think a lot of young quarterbacks struggle with that, and it seems to come naturally for him. So I have him at five. Yeah, uh, five for me was Mac Jones. Uh, His accuracy is really good. Yes. Um, him and Kyle Trask, to me, are very interchangeable as far as what they do. They're the same type of quarterback. Um, I give a slight edge just because of the success that, that was seen by Mac Jones um, and his comfort with those great receivers. He put the ball where it needed to be, even though they were wide open. Yeah. And, and he didn't slow them down with, with inaccurate throws. Uh, he made good decisions. He wasn't afraid to take the check down. His screen game was really nice. So I, I like what Mac Jones brings to the table as far as that goes. He's not a top four quarterback here, though. He doesn't he doesn't hold those um, elite traits, and uh, if most likely to bust as a starter in the NFL for me is Mac <laughs> Jones. I think that I don't think he's going to be a starter at the NFL level. I think he's a backup. Um, number four for me is Trey Lance. I would love to have Trey Lance higher on this list if he had more opportunity. Yeah. Um, he, he possesses all the tools that I love. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He 26 touchdowns, zero interceptions in 2019. Um, it's really hard to imagine that kind of feat, but it was against the FCS opponents. Um, the questions are about the skill level. This is a Jordan Love-type prospect here with all the tools on the table, and he needs to sit behind someone for a year, someone that's good, someone that can, he can learn from. 
I think that this is an opportunity. I, I, honestly, if I were San Francisco, I would draft Trey Lance before I would draft Mac Jones every single time and let him sit behind Garoppolo this season. His upside is incredible, and now that they're in position to make a pick there, um, I, I think that he's a, he's a better fit, uh, although I think that they're going to go with um, you know another guy. Um, at number four is where I have Trey Lance. Uh, and I'm going to read to you some, some comments. So as I'm looking through some of the, the, you know, the draft stuff about him and stuff that other people have written, there's something, there's a similarity that kind of jumps off to me. Big arm, uh, plus athlete, competitor, uh, not a lot of attempts to throw the ball per game, holds the ball too long, does not throw guys open, limited competition at school. That kind of sounds like Josh Allen to me. Yeah. Uh, I think we have a similar situation where you got a guy with big, strong, physical, talented, um, Wyoming, North Dakota State. You know, you have a lot of similarities there, and you bet on those traits. You bet on those. If I'm going to take somebody, I want somebody who has the uh, blueprint to get great and not just somebody who's like, yeah, they can be all right. Yeah. Uh, number three is Justin, for me, is Justin Fields. Um, this guy played well at Ohio State um, for years. This is something that uh, – let's go through his positives, right? Super accurate passer. He will throw the ball downfield. Um, he's a very good runner uh, of the football, not, maybe not as fast as some people, although his 40 time was pretty magnificent. Yeah, 4-3-8 four, <laughs> four, or yeah, something. Something like ridiculous. 4-4-4, four, 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 I think yeah, it was. Something ridiculous. Um, but he can, he's big. I mean, he's big. He, he runs you over a little bit if he needs to. Um, protects the football all the time. Uh, he has some of the same problems, though. He, he doesn't throw guys open. This is somebody who in college has just been, if they're open, I'll throw it. If not, I'll hold it or take off myself. And you, he's going to have to get off that when he's in the NFL. But I think the skill set is there. The, the accuracy is there. The size. The arm is there. All right. I'm excited to see where he goes, too. <laughs> yeah. Number three for me is Zach Wilson. Um, a lot of people have Zach Wilson as QB2 in this. Um, Justin Fields has been QB2 all along for me, and uh, he, he will remain that way. I believe that uh, when I compare the two quarterbacks, I see Zach Wilson who's had shoulder injuries. Um, I worry about his durability at the next level. I worry about his level of competition uh, at BYU. To me, Justin Fields checks those boxes where Zach Wilson doesn't, and that's the difference between the two. Zach Wilson does have some great arm strength. He zips the ball downfield. His fr for his frame, he's got an explosive arm. And uh, I watched him in film against a Washington a couple years ago, and boy, did he just – he found open guys constantly. He, he was so good. And, um, you know, the question for me is he, he, he seems like a little bit of a gambler out there. He's willing to chuck it downfield and, and hope that his guy wins. You need that to some extent, but I think he's going to be turnover prone, uh, where I think Justin Fields will be a little more conservative with the ball and make the right decision. So for me, uh, Wilson's shoulder injuries are a big concern. Uh, you take hits in the NFL and quarterbacks land on their shoulders a lot. And I don't know if he can withstand the NFL hits that he's going to take. They don't hit quarterbacks in the NFL. They, they do. They just, that's false. They just don't hit him as at all. much. At all. But by accident. So. so 
Justin Fields, one thing that stands out to me is, do you remember that shot that he took in the college football playoffs in the ribs? And yeah. he went down, and it looked like, man, is he going to be able to bounce back? And then he comes back out on the field and is just dominant thereafter. Mm-hmm. That, that toughness stood out to me so much, and it just affirmed where I thought that he belonged, and that's at QB2 in this draft. So my turn here. Zach Wilson at number two for me. Um, I think where he separates himself from Fields is his ability to throw people open in tight windows, where I think that's a, something that Justin Fields has not been able to do. And I think you'll see Zach Wilson do even better when he has plus athletes. Uh, the guys Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Kyle Trask were throwing to were so much better than what Zach Wilson was working with at BYU. Um, so you put him around some great athletes, and I think we'll be able to see some of that, even some of those throws even more. And his release is nasty fast. Uh, probably the quickest release in this group, I, w- I would say, easily. Um, I'm a big fan of that as well. So QB1, we, we know. It's Trevor. It's Trevor Lawrence. If you don't think it's Trevor, you're out of your mind. Anybody who's trying to say that it's Zach Wilson is clearly just spreading disinformation because this is <laughs> disinformation. It's clickbait. If you if you say yeah. anybody about Trevor, you're just trying to get clicks, man. Yeah, it's you know, Trevor Lawrence is he's the full package, man. His athleticism, his size, his arm strength, he's he's got his everything hair. that you'd he's got the yeah. hair. He looks like a QB. He does. He's, he's got everything that you could ask for. Yeah, and uh, I really think that. Uh, He's going to be really good at the next level, and the Jaguars have fallen into a beautiful situation. Thank you, New York Jets, for screwing that up. And because <laughs> I think there's a bigger bust probability for Zach Wilson for everyone too. after yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing I would say with all these quarterbacks, and we've seen it time and time again in the NFL. I know you and I talk about it off air all the time. It's the situation, man, that these guys get themselves in. When you talk about um, people who are similar coming out of college, like you know the Josh Allen, Sam Darnold debate. What, where do you go and what do they do around you becomes such a big thing. What fit is it? You know, If you flop Sam Darnold and Josh Allen's landing spots and keep everything else in the team around them, are we talking about Sam Darnold um, as a MVP candidate this year and, and Josh Allen is, Ugh, what are they going to do? Right. So I, I think that that becomes such a huge thing and, and where these guys go and what they get put around them becomes such a, especially the quarterback, man. You right. can't do it on your own. Absolutely. So um, that'll wrap our NFL edge rushers and quarterback prospects for this week. That was fun. Um, Let's talk quickly about baseball, Tom. Let's talk. Um, We're both we're both going to pick two division winners and three over unders for this season um, based on their current odds that we see here. Yeah. Um, When I look at uh, division winners, um, you know, right now the NL East is not up in some places. Uh, because of the maybe with the confusion with what the Mets are going to do or whatever, um, so we've we've really only got five to look at right now, depending on where what your book has. So you know, I'll jump right in with uh, a division winner for you. Um, I like the Houston Astros at plus one fifteen. Uh, I have them as well. So there's <laughs> there's one for both of us that are lame. Yeah, um, you know, plus one fifteen to win their division. Um, the Athletics are slightly favored, but that Astros team is really talented. And, um, you know, I think they'll overcome the whole cheating scandal stuff here as that gets put in the rearview mirror. Yes, exactly. And um, I think that'll bring them back uh, to where they belong, um, which is atop that division. Yeah. Uh, my second uh, division winner, I-, I like the Minnesota Twins at plus 115. I'm leaving. Well, uh, 
It was both my picks, man. Oh, my God. I did not see it. We did not talk about it. The White Sox are minus 135 to win that division. I don't want any part of it. I like the talent that they have, but um, I like the proven Minnesota Twins and their performance. Um, so, you know, give me give me the Minnesota Twins um, to, uh, to come out on top in that division. And um, so... <laughs> There you have it, folks. Real quick, because we ended up with two division winners, and they were the same, and we did not plan that. So get on them, because it must be good. We did not plan that. Um, you know, are there some dark horses out there? I don't think anybody's going to win that West other than uh, the Dodgers in the NL. And the ALE seems like the Yankees have just pulled away again. Yeah. It's so lame. I love Toronto. You know, I'm a big fan. Yeah. But I, I don't know if they can get it done. Um, you know, maybe – my Chicago Cubs at plus 450 in the NL Central because it's the weakest division of the group as far as uh, depth is concerned. I think the Pirates are really bad. And to get yeah. plus 450 on a Cubs team that is running back that are, that entire lineup, basically, and Jack Peterson's going to be a perfect fill-in for uh, Kyle Schwarber. So they haven't lost anything on the lineup side of things. The question's going to come in their rotation, and some of their rotation talent is, is young and deep. So they've got about seven guys that they think can start. Um, Kyle Hendricks has proven himself to be a number one starter in, in baseball, even though he does it in a different way. Um, he's a top 10 ERA guy over the last five seasons. So, um, you know, I think that they have an opportunity to potentially steal that division at plus 450. All right. Season win totals? Season win totals. I have mine, so let me go first so you don't Fire. steal them both again. Um, so similar to my – pick i got the astros over 87 and a half wins i think this team is so talented that the they're gonna get over 80 87 and a half so minus 120 um a lot of these are gonna be around that same vein yeah um then this I, is new for you because last year it was every team you hated yes you were on unders like crazy i'm gonna get back to that next okay cardinals <laughs> under 86 and a half um i think this division's crazy and i think it's gonna be tight and when you have that, I don't think anyone's going to get to 90, 95 wins in the division at all. So yeah. it's going to be really close. So give me Cardinals staying under the 86.5 for minus 115. Okay. And my last one, staying in that division, I have the Cubs over 79.5. I will A probably division, yeah. I will probably put my largest wager of any of these five on the Cubs being winning 80 games. Yeah. The team's, I mean, their lineup's great. Unless something crazy happens early and they have injuries and then they fold and trade right. people midseason, I don't see how they don't win 80. Yeah. Um, so for me, I have uh, Miami Marlins over 72. Um, they continuously find a way to win games, even though their talent doesn't seem like they should. Yeah. Um, so I'm going I'm to bet on that again. I'm going to bet that they're competitive and they, they work their way through the season. They only need 73 wins. I mean – 73 wins is not a lot. You know, I, right. I, I, ju I just don't see this as a 72 and, you know, 92 team or whatever nine, whatever that comes out to. Yeah. Um, uh, over 72 for Miami. Um, then I'm going to go – here's another one. Because I picked them as a division winner, that was minus 120, by the way. Yep. Um, Minnesota Twins over 88.5 regular season wins. I think they can beat up on the other teams in this division besides the White Sox. And if they can play them around 500, I like their chances to get over 88 and a half wins. That's minus 120 as well. And uh, now I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and find you an under here. And uh, <laughs> I I hate to do this because it's like kicking somebody when they're down. But I, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Pirates under 59 regular season wins, the lowest win total, and I'm going to bet it under. 
Um, so let's let's get the Pittsburgh Pirates under fifty nine wins. Where do you get that at? Minus one fifteen. Fifty nine. That's bad. It's so low. I know. It, and it's just it's one of my standing principles. You know, I like to bet the lowest uh, under under. Yeah. And the lowest total under and the highest total over. You know, I, I didn't do it with the Dodgers here because I hate them. So yeah, I won't do the over on them. But yeah. uh, the, the NL West is a little interesting because they had a couple of young upstart teams last year with the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Yeah. So do they put any? You know, do they make up any ground? Do they make it tighter? It'll be interesting. They have the Padres at over ninety-five wins. Yeah. See, the Rockies are at sixty-three. Yeah. I like them over, but they they play such a tough division that yeah. they can get banged around. You know, you got eighteen games against the Yank or yeah, the Yankees, the Dodgers, Padres, and Diamondbacks. That's right. rough, right? <laughs> and the reason I the Pirates are far and away the worst team in that division. Yeah, there are four pretty decent teams in that division that they're all good but not great, and I think they can put up. They don't get a break. You know, yeah. there isn't another bad Pittsburgh team. Is the, big, is the break right? So my worry about your your Miami bet is Mets should be pretty good, Nationals should be pretty good, and Braves should be pretty good. Yeah, I might take turns on um, Miami. We'll see. Yeah, Miami's Philly. found a way to be competitive every Philly year. Philly thinks they're good, but they're not. Yeah, their win total was like 83, yeah. 80, 81 and a half, I think. So yeah, they're not that good. That's gonna wrap the episode, folks, and it was a fun one. We really enjoyed it. So uh, thankfully, the computer didn't crash a second time. Yeah, and uh, the and Knicks are winning win. by eleven. <laughs> so and next week's show, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have the Masters week. The Masters, I can't wait. And we have top ten running backs and top ten linebackers next week Absolutely. as well. Just a great show. Fun week next week. So um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, check us at Hammered underscore Sports, uh, Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you know, we look forward to uh, continuing to produce this draft content leading up to our live mock draft, which is now what, Tom? Uh, three weeks away? Three weeks away, yeah. Three weeks away. Three weeks from this Saturday, we'll be plugging in and going live on YouTube. Cannot wait. All right. All right, guys. We'll catch you all later. Bye.